This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Heart Mojo with Melinda Smith. So, Melinda, tell us about your guest today. I would love to, and thank you for being on, Kim. Let me read your bio. It's very impressive. Kim Aberly <laughs> is a co-founder and executive director of Let's Get Real, Inc., a local nonprofit pro-state certified recovery community center, a licensed social worker in the state of Ohio. She previously co-founded Sobering Centers, Inc. of Lorraine, Ohio. Previously, Kim also developed and facilitated a woman's gender-specific intensive outpatient aftercare program as an addiction counselor with Compass House for Women, formerly in Lorraine, Ohio. Kim is 18 years in recovery from alcoholism, a recovery coach, and is a supervisor to certified peer recovery supporters. Welcome, and congratulations on 18 years. Thank you so much. Seems like yesterday, and then it seems like, you know, forever, forever. ago. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, obviously, you're in recovery yourself. Tell us what made you decide to move forward and help other people. Um, I, I'd always been, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess a social worker by trade. Um, I'm 63 and a half, so I've been around the block a few times. Um, but But most of my driven or my excitement in anything professionally has been in that direction. Um, I worked at uh, Lorraine County Jobs and Family Services for 12 years until, um, you know, I discovered after 12 years and picking up drinking that they kind of frowned on that. So um, <laughs> I, I had to move on. Um, but, you know, the journey of, of life is the journey of life. And it, it brought me in a, a other directions specific to addiction counseling. And and this place, let's get real, when I, when I opened, um, it was just, you know, I think I'll open. There seems to be a heroin problem. There seems to be heroin uh, stigma about a heroin problem. Everybody's denying there's a heroin problem, but people mm -hmm. are dropping dead in the street. And I apologize, Melinda and Karen. I'm a real straight shooter and I talk straight. That's, okay. that's just how I am, um, you know, but, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, there's use dying everywhere and we're all pretending this isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. So I... I uh, found a friend of mine in Alcoholics Anonymous who had purchased a building. And he said, you know, you could have those two rooms over there and just see if you can help. Uh, another brilliant counselor, addiction counselor and a mental health provider, friend of mine said, let's just open an office and see if anybody needs help. My husband laughed at the time that I felt I was just going to sit around, drink some coffee, see if anybody wanted to call, have a donut, you know, <laughs> and in six months it just blew up. The services needed just blew up. Um, we started out at Let's Get Real in 2013, August 2013, with a desk donated by the library in Vermillion, Ohio, with a phone system donated by a friend of mine in AA whose aunt had passed and had a giant phone system. She was a real estate agent. And a copier that a friend of mine refurbished, Dino his name was, and gave me this nice copier and that's what we started out on. Um, yeah. We just went where the need took us, not even knowing where that need would take us. Uh, we all had, the three of us had vast experience professionally and personally in, um, in a number of things. I have a rather not so pretty past. Um, and, uh, and everything, and I think that everything in life, which is, which is, uh, shows itself now every day that we, that we provide services that everything bad that happened to you and everything you've overcome that's happened to you just sets you up to help somebody else with that same problem. Mm -hmm. um, and, and although it's ugly to go through, uh, the value of what you learn personally, and if you can pass through those doors of that anguish, if you will, it, it just so better serves you to help someone else. Um, and before I knew it, we just ballooned up to where, let's get real, uh, we have an office in Lorraine that uh, that was donated by a, a gentleman that owned a funeral home in Vermilion. He owned the building I'm sitting in. And he came up and said, I'm going to give you my building. Uh, it's on five plots of land. It's a beautiful, wonderful building. He said, I see what Let's Get Real has done in the recovery community. As a funeral director, I bury more people than I'd like from overdoses. Mm -hmm. And I see your Let's Get Real staff faces there everywhere. So I'm going to give you my building. 
few years ago, as in the history of the organization, a few years ago, the Huron County, Ohio, um, was looking to have a peer center. And they asked me, let's get real, to be one of the applicants for that. So we are now open in, in Norwalk, Ohio as well. So we have two offices. <coughs> um, I don't know what what you want me to share um, about our, our history specific. Um, I just, <coughs> I know that that it's hard for, for people um, to understand what we do. Is that okay if I talk about that, Melinda? Absolutely. Okay. People don't here. understand what we are. Here's what we are. We are a recovery community organization. By definition, we are we are run by our board of directors because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, our board of directors it has to have a, a certain percentage in substance use disorder recovery. So in essence, we are run by and deliver the services by people in recovery. Most of the people that are boots on the ground, meaning in their cars, driving, assisting people, those people are called certified peer recovery supporters. A certified peer recovery supporter is a person in long-term recovery that has taken, I think it's about 18 hours on a webinar classes, and then had to go on to 40 hours in classroom classes, as well as meet some other requirements, a background check, um, and a couple other items and pass a test, then they are certified by the state of Ohio to be certified peer recovery supporters. There's a lot of names for them. I use CPRS because that's the newest uh, designation for them. And I'm I'm old. So when I started out, they called us recovery coaches. So I always tell my staff, I have 17 certified peer recovery supporters at Let's Get Real. We have a staff of about 23, I think. And 17 of those are people that meet in the field. They go to hospitals 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They respond to police stations 24 hours a day, seven days a week on a hotline call. And we go in and we and we ask if, if this person would like assistance in some sort of recovery. If they say yes, great. If they say no, not now, they have our number. They know who to call. And oftentimes they do call. Um, you know, we, we do uh, specialty dockets, which is a broadened term for recovery courts. So let's say, let's say I get busted and I have two felonies and I, and I plead into one of these specialty docket recovery courts. So I plead into the Lorraine County Big Court Justice Court. And I say, uh, it's the Honorable Judge Moraldi that runs that one. Your Honor, if I do this program with you and I, and I, and I'm, and I follow your path and I make myself accountable, and I do the treatment that you recommend, can I have my felonies expunged? That's the gist of what especially Dawkins mm -hmm. is. I have a lot of felons working for me, um, which is a blessing. I've often thought of putting that in additional skills on the resumes. <laughs> you kind of have to have a felony or two, you know, to work for me, because the whole essence of peer support is life experience to someone else going through it. So, so any experience, be it the world would look at it, be a negative experience, going back to what I said earlier, everything, the anguish and everything that we went through just builds us up. Should we choose the path to help others? Right. Because we can look at them and say, I get it. And they can honestly give us a line of bull. And we're the only people, in my opinion, and I've been an addiction counselor. I've been a social worker. I have from different lenses, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I'm the only person, my peers are the only person that can look at that person in distress, in detox, in detoxification and say, you can tell anybody else that line that you just led. But I've already used that line. And I can tell you right now, I see through what you're thinking. So in a non-judgmental fashion, we kind of guide them where we think would be the best path. Peer support is guided by the SAMHSA guiding principle, the feds. The SAMHSA guiding principles of recovery, which means there's no wrong door. So if I if my peers are sitting in front of a person that says, I'm not going to Alcoholics Anonymous, I have no belief in God, and a lot of AA principles lean in a, in a spirituality of your own decision, and they find that uncomfortable, then we say, here's other options. So pick a door and pick a path, but stick to it. And we'll help you walk through it, but you got to pick one and you got to remain accountable and you've got to have a plan and we'll, we'll guide you through whatever, 
whatever you want. That includes medication-assisted treatment, which some people, in my opinion, have some stigma about. Um, I don't know how many of the viewers are, are reasonably knowledgeable about it, but there's there's medication like Suboxone that is an opiate blocker to oversimplify that I can take um, to, to lessen the cravings for heroin or fentanyl, anything opiate-based, be it synthetic or morphine-based. It blocks that that craving. And in theory, if I use um, illicit drugs, opiate based on that medication, I get very sick. Um, so that a lot of people use those and we promote that if that is their choice. So it's client-centered, it's client-based. In my opinion, if I'm going to go into recovery and I have no stake in how I'm going to do it, I have no stake. Um, a judge told me I had to do it this way and you have to go to this treatment center and you have to do this. Then where is my vested, where's my accountability to myself and my vested opinion and what my recovery is? Right. And I, I think that's where the whole thing kind of, kind of scoos off. You, you, they have to have some vested opinion or, or decision-making process in their own recovery. You can't just cookie cut every heroin addict and say, this is how it's going to work. It's lunacy. It's lunacy. And it's, it's definitely a flaw in, in the way the whole system is. You can't, you can't because it's easier and you can't because it's more accessible. Tell five people that this is the way you're going to get clean and sober for the rest of your life. It's lunacy. And, uh, and that's, that's where the peer supporters have such a valuable, valuable piece to treatment teams and being, being, you know, side by side with clinicians um, because they, they've learned to value, they've come to value our opinion, um, because there's a lot of things that appear that we're working with a client, if you will, that we're working with, will will tell their peer support, their certified peers that they're not going to tell anybody else because everybody else has, has a major decision-making process in going forward. So if you're struggling, this is just an example. So I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling today with drinking. Let's say that. I'm not, I'm not going to get through this. This is bad, bad, bad. I'm going to tell my peer supporter that I'm working with who's been felt this way for off and on for years before I'm going to tell my counselor, usually, because that counselor is going to say, I'm going to up your accountability to, you know, five meetings and you need to see your mental health. And so we we can be that, that go between in that first, that first, um, that first conversation when they're struggling a lot like that. And it's taken years, but it is starting to get the value that's so needed in, in what we do. Um, and a lot of my peer supporters are like, you know, I, I feel like I'm not like I'm part of part of the team and I'm part of this group of, of, of uh, people. And I, but I'm really not. And I said, from the day we opened, you don't get, you don't get respect just because you feel you are owed it. You know, we deal, we'll, we deal one-on-one -on -one with judges, probation officers, nurses, doctors. The only way you're going to get respect that you, so you feel a part of is to show them that we kick ass. <laughs> we do. You, you're going to have to show them, you know, not expect it, but show them and every person they see you help and every positive outcome they see, you'll be a part of. They'll come to you more and more and more. And that has happened over 10 years. That's definitely happened. Um, we also deal with, uh, uh, we have pre and post release program. Am I going on too much, you guys? No, it's okay. But I do have one comment or sure. maybe a question. So your peer group, your peer supporters, I think that's an amazing thing to have. I mean, it's different than just going to an AA meeting. Right. This is Absolutely. somebody that you can count on. It's not a huge group. It's a one-on-one. -on -one. Is that correct? Yes. We don't do. We don't. We don't do Alcoholics Anonymous. We don't do twelve-step meetings. Um. We you know, most of us got sober and clean in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous mm -hmm. or some other twelve-step group because I don't care who you are. Nobody can take away the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You, you can't take one sentence out of that book. It is an amazing, amazing, the, the 12 steps are amazing. The thing is, having said that, 
our place is not to promote one group or the other. We don't talk about 12 steps. You know why? That's what sponsors are for. Right. So and if I'm going to talk about your steps with you, you're not going to go get a sponsor. And you know what, my friend, I'm not going to be with you forever. You're, there's going to come a time when you don't need me. The way you don't need me is you become accountable for your own recovery process. So yes, it's great that we're meeting like this. I can help you get an identification. I can help you do a resume. I can get you to your probation officer. I can make you accountable to whatever the judge is required. I can take you to detox. I can pick you up from detox and take you to treatment. I can do all of those things. I can teach you how to shop properly. But I'm not going to be here forever. So part of our push, if you will, part of our recovery plan is how are you going to meet these needs on your own without me? That's our goal, to make them accountable and responsible for their own recovery. Um, so we don't, and we don't like to step on the toes of AA, you know, um, mm -hmm. AA is beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, we, we let them, we let them, we push them to get a sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous. Should they choose that program? I have what's called AA etiquette and other agencies kind of laugh at me, but I just make stuff up. I've made stuff up as I went along for 10 years, you guys. Okay. I just make stuff up. You know, half my forms I stole from other agencies and edited them with permission. You know, I, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. My dad always said, you need to hire people smarter than you. That's how your business continues. And I took that to heart. So I utilize, because I've been around so often, I utilize the other agencies, treatment agencies, clinical treatment agencies. And I call and I go, I need this form. I don't have it. That's how we sustained is all of us here remain humble. And we, all of us need to say immediately, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know how to proceed here. And I don't even know what's, perhaps the law in this area. And that's how we've survived. But I have something called AA etiquette. So here's the thing. If I have a, a girl and she's in sober living, recovery housing, and that recovery housing mandates three meetings a week. They prefer those to be Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. That's okay. They're AA based. That's cool. What I can do is this. My peers are allowed to drive them, not bill, not get paid, but they can drive them to their Alcoholics Anonymous home group. Most people have a home group. Mm -hmm. And you can say, see that lady, that lady, and that lady? Those those are good sponsors, and I think they're sponsored. Get their phone numbers. Because when you call me next week and run a ride, my first question is, I don't take you to AA meetings, but you can call one of those three ladies. See what I mean? That's our goal, to get them engaged themselves and be responsible for their own for their own recovery. Um, and that's what some people don't understand about peer support. They they think we're like sponsoring people. We're not. You know, the, the definition of peer support probably rings closer to a case manager than anything in a 12-step program. Um, and uh, we, we do abide by it and we have to. We have boundaries and ethics. Um, kind of close to social work in the HIPAA compliance. And mm -hmm. I won't tell your business. And they have to be on a release form to share things like that. So it's kind of closer to that. But we also do um, pre and post release programs in both counties. That means inmates in Huron County Jail and Lorain County Jail are referred to us and they call us on a regular basis and we go see them um, to, to perpetuate, we're hoping, a continuum of service. So upon release, you talk to John five times on the phone while you were locked up. John's going to pick you up and we have you a bed at a recovery house. We do that. We do that as well. We also do um, a recovery ride, which is in Huron County alone, but we were able to purchase a vehicle through a grant and um, we drive people around. Okay. Let's say I've, let's say I've been, I've been sober for eight months and I'm almost done with my treatment and I don't have a license or a vehicle, but if I don't make it to these, four dental appointments, I'm probably going to relapse because I'm in so much pain. I have no mm -hmm. one to drive me. So that's just an example of the recovery ride. Will, um, it transports people to needed appointments for those in recovery to remove any barriers to continued recovery. So some of the examples are going to your probation officer, going to a dentist, going to a medical doctor, going to treatment for outpatient three times a week. We utilize this vehicle and we have a recovery rider and we, we drive them there. Um, there isn't huge 
in Lorraine County, Huron County, there isn't really a transit system mm -hmm. or a bus system that's that that's at, at best convenient would be good, but it also affords a time to be with someone that's in long-term recovery. Right. So the driver's in long-term recovery and you can be walking in the back and Bill will be like, listen, I've been through this. You know, you're in a recovery house. Follow the rules. This is the way it is. Um, we have just, that's just a few of the things we do. I mean, yeah, I read your list. You have a lot. It sounds lot. like you help point people. So if somebody, so let's say they're not coming from court. Let's say they're watching this today or they come across it on the internet. Sounds like you help point them in the right direction for them. Is that correct? Like yes, you listen have, to their yes. story and you push, you, you suggest where we they suggest and we have resources. So we are certified as a referral through the state, the, the, the peer recovery organization state certification in referral and information and direct peer support services for the referral and information piece that we were screened and approved by the state. We have a desk, I call it the outreach desk. We have a desk in Norwalk, Ohio, and we have a desk in Lorraine, Ohio. And um, anybody can call, just call. If we don't know the answer, we'll find somebody that does. We do not do treatment. I don't do intensive outpatient. I don't do aftercare. I do no kind of treatment, mainly because a lot of people do it really well. And that's not what I, that's not what we do. We're those interlinking fingers, those gaps in services, those holes mm -hmm. that people throw, fall through once they even do recover. These are the gaps that people fall through. That's what I'm, what, what I'm trying to fix. Like, um, but we have two desks and, uh, and anybody can call there. We just, I walked in here and there was a mom on the phone and she was like, he's not ready. I can't do this anymore. I just need to vent and we listen to that and and try to guide her through that and then we have uh, several groups here at the office in this office we have four a week none of them are alcoholics not none of them are, none of them are 12 step um we have a family group on tuesday nights just come in and sit down and talk you want to cry cry it's not clinical it's not didactic per se Except that if they, you know, we, we make sure everybody knows the science of addiction, the basics behind why our loved ones do what they do. Um, and we have that, that group every single Tuesday night. Tuesday nights, we also have something that I've never found uh, is a kid's rock group. So we have a licensed social worker that does, that does the kid's rock group. And what they do is they learn. So my, so my dad, my dad's, relapsed a few times he gets clean and then relapses he messes up again that he gets mm -hmm. clean so the kids in these groups not all this is free of charge by the way nothing we do is is paid by the clients that we're serving up here so it's all free um through, by blessings of grants and donations you know um so they learn things like they call it the seven c's what these kids are learning is the basics of the science of addiction on their age level what's happening in mommy's head what's happening in daddy's head why this is a real disease like diabetes it's a real disease like heart disease it's it's a real thing it's not something that they're they're choosing to do because they don't love you once they've crossed that line it's a disease right. i've known clinicians for years that don't believe that i mean the dsm <laughs> The, the DSM, you know, the Diagnostic Service Manual for, for Doctors and Stuff is named Alcoholism and Drug Addiction and Disease since, I don't know, 1970, maybe? And, and nobody still believes it. It's, it's our choice. I became an alcoholic just because I was a weak woman and I just wanted to drink the troubles away. Okay, come on. But anyway, don't get me caught on that because I'll go for hours. Um, So we teach them this. Then we teach them, I didn't cause it. I can't control it. I can't cure it. I have to communicate my feelings. I have to care for myself. And there's two other ones that Kim can never remember. I can never remember the other day, okay? ever. But those are just the five gives you guys, you know, your viewers are, right. it's know what I'm talking about. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the thing is, there's no boundaries as to eligibility for it, other than the ability to sit in a group 
the ability to read some of the stuff. So we've had to restrict some age limits. Um, and we do it for an hour and a half because that's when family group runs. The kids are in our basement. We have a big basement all set up. And they they do things like journaling. Journal. And the only one that sees that is the facilitator of that group. Mom and dad aren't seeing Nobody's seen it. Um, you just journal your heart away. But we literally had a kid that used to come for years. And his, his dad could not. He just couldn't pull it together. He could do a year and he just couldn't pull it together. So he, instead of going downstairs, because this just makes my heart saddened, but then makes my heart glad that we're making some sort of difference in that, in, in that respect. He walks into family group, the big, the adult group, and he sits down. We're like, what's going on? Well, we all know what relapse is. And I'm like holding my breath. He's eight. I said, yes, we do. Do you want to talk about it? Well, he did it again. He was in the bathtub with a needle in his arm. I called 911. And he's stoic. He's not crying. He's And I said, so what's going to happen now? He said, I have to live with grandma forever now. And I said, do you want to talk some more about it? And he goes, nope, I'm going downstairs. And he goes down to kids group, finishes the whole group. And we were just, I mean, our mouths were just, I, I, none of us. Flabbergasted. Now, as sad and horrible as that is, that dad has now been clean and sober four years, Has is married, has another child. They get along fine. He's a stand-up guy. Um, and my, my everybody was crying. And I said, you know, I feel, I feel not to be prideful of myself, certainly, but of the facilitator. She taught him how to handle that. She taught him how to get through that, handle that. Right. I have and to tell he, you, as an adult child of an alcoholic background. We have that group. We have adult child children of alcoholics group here. I was going to ask that question. I mean, as a child going through that with my dad and his entire family, his mother, his father, his brother, everyone was an alcoholic. It is amazing that myself and my uh, brother who recently passed, we never became alcoholics. We never, I was so horrified by behavior that I was, it's not that I don't drink. I do. I just never let myself get to that point because I saw what it could do, but it would have been nice as a child to have what you're offering um, to be able to deal with it over time. So do you find that you have adults that come to you just to maybe it's been the trauma of it's been sitting on them for a long time and they have to talk yeah about and we we started and we started an adult uh, melanie who's been with me for years and is our grant writer she um she she's an adult child of an alcoholic and and actually the the book we use it is kind of a step book i think there might be eight steps in it but it's adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families and that is a very well-received group. It's every Friday night. And and they have a lot of people here, just what you're talking about, um, to work through those things that they've lived with their whole lives and possibly never addressed. You know, um, there's probably only a few certain people that you could share your feelings about being raised that way um, in an open, non-judgmental setting. And that's what this, that's what this group allows. Um, again, I'm trying to hit things that nobody does. I'm not, I don't have to do an Alcoholics Anonymous. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm in Lorain County. We're like the godfather of AA, okay? I can find five meetings like now if I walk out the door. So I'm, I'm trying to do what other people don't, don't offer, all those gaps in services. And I think that, uh, you know, we do, we do a smart recovery group. Don't ask me what the acronym is. Stan, they're all acronyms, aren't they, ladies? I'm like, I don't it's called smart. It's, right. it's something smart, I'm sure. But um, it is like cognitive behavioral therapy. You have to take a few classes and get certified to, for this group. Um, but it, it just basically is, if I do A, B is going to happen, C is going to be my consequence. It's so oversimplified that way. But the funny thing is, is it ties, it's not adverse to or against the steps of AA. It ties right into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, we do smart recovery groups. We do, um, 
a life recovery Bible study group. Those are hard to play. We go through the, um, they, they, you know, we have a pastor that does that. He's also a peer supporter, but he's also a pastor. Um, he, he does that group and that's very well received. I have a Spanish speaking group. That was going to be my next question. Cause you're in Lorraine County. I have a Spanish speaking group, Large which you would Hispanic. be surprised to find. There aren't very many. I mean, no. we're in the international city. Sometimes life just blows my mind. Yeah. Like, 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 come on, is anybody catching up? You know what I mean? Right. I went to BMV the other day and there's a totally Spanish speaking older couple there. Mm. On the kiosk, you can't even read. You know how you click the little button right. to get a tab? And they're standing there. I'm like, you got to. Is there, is there not a Spanish speaking worker here? We worked through it. I had a notepad with me and I'm like, write the number, write the number down. And I stuck right. it. I mean, it was just unbelievable. We were in the international city. Um, and so we do have a Spanish speaking meeting. And that's been, I think, helpful to a, to a, to a lot of people. Just, um, you know, shame, shame on there and not being more. I mean, that saddens me. But we started that. I think I think we're going on three years now, and that that's fairly fairly well received. We also, I can't believe I do this with this many workers. Um, these people are amazing. They're amazing. Um, I don't know how they keep up. I just sit at a desk and yell at everybody. <laughs> I'm not starting my car at one o'clock in the morning and shoveling off the snow. I'm like, yeah, get in the car. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so everybody's like, thank you, Kim, for everything you do. I go, I haven't left the office <laughs> i just yell at people but um the peer supporters and the whole staff is so so dedicated we have had hard times in the past you guys not recently not recently we have had hard times in the past as everybody with the economy and all with with grants and i gotta tell you this story just to beef up my my staff because it's been a few years ago but uh our grantors that had promised money weren't paying through a series of problems. But I got to where I, I I emailed them and then followed up with a call for everybody. And I said, I can't pay you. So anybody that would like to bail now can and probably should. I'm going to fix this, but I can't promise you that in two weeks, anybody's going to have a paycheck for a minute. And every single one of them text or called me back and said, are you going to pay? Said, as soon as I can pull this off. Okay. And they kept working. Not one of them said, I'm done. You're not going to pay me my check. Cause this is a paid position. This is a professional right. position. Um, I was, I shouldn't know better cause I know him that well, but I was just shocked. Well, I don't know dedication. that I, I don't know that I would have hung in there. No, I think they understand it's the dedication that they put into that. It is. And they I am agree. so, so proud and, you know, grateful that they've even, you know, stuck along in our, our hard times as well as the good times. And they're just, they're just amazing to me. And this is, uh, I'm a social worker, so I'm document oriented. And it's not easy to work here. No, I'm sure. Because I want it all, I want it all documented. So Kim, and, you have, you're in Lorraine and you're Huron. You're what? In Huron, okay? No. No. I'm in Huron County. Huron County. Huron okay. County. So Norwalk and Lorraine are our two offices. So there's physical offices. There's a huge state that needs services like this. Are there any others that are similar to yours anywhere else in the state of Ohio? And yes. can they come from other counties to you? So we're in Cuyahoga County. Well, I am. You're in Summit, right? Right. Karen? So if you're in Summit or Cuyahoga and you love your program, what you have to say, can they come? You can call. And if I can pull it off, I will. We do have um, we do have a Community West Foundation has given us a grant for West Cuyahoga. So that's cool. And um. So I answer to your question is going to sound vague and I don't mean to sound vague. It's okay. Just call. And then what we'll do is what we always do. If there's another RCO recovery community organization or another group that we think can help, we're just going to call them, Got it. Um, which happens. There are some other RCOs. We are 
RCL Recovery Community Organization has different models, if you will. Some of those models are what's called a clubhouse model. Their focus is on having a drop-in center, having place to go, having 25 meetings a week. Do it, you know, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different than what we do. Um, there's a place called Sandusky Artisans in Sandusky, Ohio, that if you're if you live right around there and you call, I'm gonna say you should probably call artisans. There's no territory here. There's what's convenient and who can serve your needs. If you call in and it's mainly mental health, the the acute phase or what you're going through is mental health, we're going to pull our books and refer you some to somebody that can help you. And then we're gonna say, if they don't do anything for you, you call me back and we'll work on it again. Um, but yes, in answer to your question, I have pockets of little grants in different geographical areas that I can usually help. And oftentimes, even if I don't have the reimbursable money, if we're able and have the staff capabilities, we're going to go anyway, or we're going to get you where you need to be. Um, We rarely say no, which is probably why we're not rich. Um, But (laughs) no, it really is. um, We are a true nonprofit. Like I'm in the black, but I'm in the black uh, annually. Um, which brings me to, I want to say, uh, and I don't know if you guys can can mention this, but I have a, we have a big, uh, September 21st, the entire day is called Connect to a Cause. It is sponsored by the Community Foundation of Lorain County. So on September 21st, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., it's this big, uh, sponsored again by the Community Foundation of Lorain County. They have a big Connect to a Cause. So you can call in you or you can click on my website and you can donate any kind of money for Connect to a Cause. It's the first time we've been on this. Um, I'm excited. Um, we're gonna utilize these funds in a wide range of areas. I have something that's called the Jason Dunbrook and Jimmy Curry Memorial Fund. This is this is money that people donate for two gentlemen that overdosed and died. They're by their, by their family's request that we set up this fund. I use that for extras, if you will. So, hey, somebody calls from from way far away and I'm like, I don't, there's no way that I can even give you gas money to go help this guy. I can pull from this fund. Mm-hmm. Um, also, let's say we're taking somebody to detox and they need, you know, some Gatorade and something to eat would be great. And a pair of pajama pants and socks, we can pull from that fund. That's what I intend to dump anything that we, we get from the communities uh, on Thursday. That's where I intend to to throw that money. But we were also given a reward that I can't find. <laughs> I'm stumbling because I can't think of what it's called. You will. You'll think of it. No worries. While you're um, while you're thinking, real quick, can someone donate items like that? Brand new, of course, not used, but could they donate socks and pajama pants and Gatorade and things like that to you, or is it all cash based? I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I'd rather it was cash based. That's okay. I, That's I, I used I'm to have. Asking. It's too hard, and I and I used to have a, a a clothing room, Melinda. And then after about two years, I'm like, I, then you know, the world was going through bed bugs, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. I, I don't, I don't have time to go down there and dry everything and stuff like that. We do get toiletries, which are seemingly helpful. Because okay. um, we have what's called go bags. Every peer supporter in their car has, we do quick response team too. So a peer supporter and a police officer on the 911 overdose uh, survival list, mm-hmm. it comes from the cops basically. They go out once a week and they knock on the door and they say, hey, you survived that overdose. Do you want help? Um, Which is amazing. It's an amazing thought even it's been going on for a number of years in other counties but we have it in Lorraine County and Huron County now where a peer supporter literally joins up with either a clinical treatment professional or a cop and they knock on the door if they're not home they leave something hanging on their door call me if you need me um you know both Lorraine and Huron County really for for not being as large as Cuyahogas or examples of some other counties um they've been instrumental in Cruz's models for a lot of a lot of different, a lot of different things. Um, but I have a group that does toiletry bags for a rape crisis center, 
and really like that are women getting out of prison they get out they have nothing you know toothbrush hairbrush those types of things so when the peer supporters pick someone up i mean there's a lot of training that goes into this like you can't just be i'm in recovery i'm going to do this i mean there's there's so many uh, i always plan for the worst and hope for the best mm-hmm. i'm planned for the worst and hope for the best that means they have additional coverage because they drive their own vehicles right they have additional vehicle coverage they have professional liability coverage they're trained fervently in how to handle anything um they we've had people overdose in our cars that they've revived and saved until 911 got saved um they carry bags with narcan some toiletries some alcohol swabs um things that are logical to have in your vehicle and some of it's scary you know you pick somebody up yeah. That we've set up the desk, the outreach desk is called and they've set this person up to go into detox. But then you get in your own car and you go pick this person up. You don't know wherever in Lorraine and you're going to take him to Erie County. And what's your first question? How high are you? Because mm-hmm. you're about to get in my car. Right. But we have we have a tons of procedures about that. We have safety, safety procedures that we've we've kept forever since the day we opened. You have to follow these safety procedures. I have to know where you are at all times. It's just the way it's done, you know. Um, and it's they do a, they just do a lot. Um, but I I I don't know. I literally, I mean, I the stuff that that I've personally been through and and the stuff that I understand on addiction and alcoholism. Um, again, just set me up to do this. I don't know anything Absolutely. better than the next guy. I mean. Well, I get it because I'm a cancer survivor and that's how this there show started. I, getting through life's challenges. I thought if I have to go through this, I'm going to help at least one person. So I started doing videos and on Facebook and Karen found me on Facebook and said, you should do a podcast. And that's how we ended up where we're at. And I've really? branched out now from the cancer uh, patients coming on to other things that challenge you. And this is certainly a big one. Which you know, and, and, and the thing with um, like like myself, I went through 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 years of a very abusive marriage. Mm-hmm. So when um, when I finally got out, and 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 the spillover from that for years, that's how I got at Compass House. The director called and said, "You can do this group," and I said, "I'm I'm not an addiction professional." He goes, "Well, you're going to have to get certified, but you can develop and do this group." And I said, "Why would you ask me that?" He goes. Because you have all the blessings of life, Kim. You're an alcoholic. You went, you went through a, a brutal marriage and had PTSD for count, you know, that you got counseling for for years. He said, you know, your parents died by the time you're 15. He goes, I can't think anybody better to do this group. I'm like, oh, thank you for all the anguish of my life. Well, funny. every road led you here. That's Everything right. led you here. And I truly believe that. I have a couple quick questions. Um, how did you handle COVID with this? Because that had to be a a difficult time with this group. And then I have one other one before we close because we're already almost out of time. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were. Um, Don't be sorry. We just, we just kept going. Here's what we did at the hospital specifically. First of all, we had to have all those new procedures and all the junk and all the sanitizer and all that. Right. What a what a nightmare. Um, <laughs> everything went to Zoom, and some people still haven't moved off Zoom. I'm like. Why are we on Zoom? Not you guys, because you're far away. Right. But why are we still doing it? I think you're, I don't think anybody has any pants on, you know, <laughs> like, what are we still doing on Zoom? But um, we just, we literally, when we would go to the hospital call outs, the nurses would call and say, I need help. We would sit in the parking lot. And mm-hmm. with the nurse's assistant, we would put them on and we would run them through the treatment provider. And we would call back and say, I'm in the parking lot. Are you going to discharge him? Because I'm taking him to detox and then they would come out and wow. we put them in the back seat with a mask we just kept going as 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 well as, as we, could. We, could. I, we just kept moving i mean the problem was the, the increase in relapses as you could well imagine oh absolutely nobody's going to a meeting they're doing this melinda you know karen like oh you know i could be drunk right now and you wouldn't know right well i mean it was i, I thought it was horrible but they managed and they went they went through it. So um, they did. They they went, they, we, we just kept moving as best we could. 
So I have one other question before we go. So somebody, my listeners vary in age. So if somebody's watching this, because we have a, all age groups are either could be an alcoholic or could be uh, a drug user. But do you find there's an average age that comes to you, like 18 or 55? I'm going to say the latter. We, we have very good data on it. And I hate to put a scope on it, but but it is still in the the, the percentiles of of younger. So like like 21 to 35. But what's funny is as soon as you say something, everything changes. Yeah. Because the last three calls last Friday, just by coincidence in this office, was a woman 55. Oh, I picked a woman a number. 60. Yeah. And, and and a woman and a guy that was fifty five. I'm going to say that it still falls in, in the lower range in and the younger group. Into the it does it does I think fall into the younger group and um. But we'll 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 figure we'll figure anybody out and we know what our scope is. I know what our scope of practice is. I know when we say this is not we are not professionals. You know I I know when to say this is not what I do, because if I'm going to pretend. That you have some phys- you're an older woman and you have physical issues. Where am I going to put you? I'm not going to pretend I can put you somewhere. So we're just going to deal as it comes along. We're just going to pull our resource book. We're going to see what we can do. Um, so you don't really have a senior in quotes. I do a lot in the senior community. A senior no. group. No. No, which is interesting. I don't know why we do. You mean like oh, a support group? Yeah. Part of the reason I'm asking that, too, is I have um, a client who has cancer and they are she's has to take, you know, uh, narcotics for the cancer and they think she's a drug addict. Now, there are people who are 80 years old and still drug addicts. So my question is, are there groups for that? Not for her. She doesn't really. It's not an issue. but for seniors yes i mean we we welcome anybody that, that that's willing to come or talk i had a woman which reminds me of puts me in mind of what you're talking about and she was 75 and she's been she was on xanax and percocets for uh, ever and here was the thing melinda her daughter called us first and i said you know does this affect your life for real? Like, is she, are there negative consequences here? Because she was a survivor of cancer too. And that's where she, the Percocet was. Because you know what? She's 75. She's been through this horrible thing. I'm asking you to make, to make a decision. If, if, if even, even book wise, if she classifies as an addict. Right. You know, reoccurring pain. Is she an addict? I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to judge anybody. Of course, you know, in the definition of addiction is that it's negative. You continue to use despite harmful consequences in your life. So that's my question. Right. What harmful consequences other than you're in recovery yourself and you're looking at her eating all these Xanax and Percocet, like is she falling down? But in answer to your question, anybody can call and anybody can come. And if they just need to explore their own Maybe I have an addiction problem. That's okay too. Yeah. Just call one of the offices and we'll and we'll talk through it. But um I've known, as you probably know, Melinda, I've known people that were heavy, heavy drinkers their whole life. Right. Never missed a day of work. Right. You know what it does? Yeah, you're functioning it kills you alcoholics. It kills you sooner. I mean, you know, I have several uncles that worked till they were 68 years old, drank whiskey every gallons, never missed work. It just cut their life short. Well, and then you had a group like my great-grandfather who had his Cafe Royale every morning with a shot of whiskey and it lived 86, outlived three wives. That was my Aunt Shirley. Yep, that was my Aunt Shirley. And the disease of of, of alcoholism, specifically like any disease, is a progressive disease. You know, I had had 17 years raising my kids and having kids. I didn't drink. Once in a while, I drank. Probably like you do. It never affected me. I drank like a fish and did drugs like a fish till I was 18. And then went through college, got my kids, put it. It just sat, it sat there and waited for me. It sat on my shoulder 
saying pick it up again. And I did. I did when I finally left my marriage. And two years, it took me down. I lost everything I own, my job, everything in two years. So my point would be to the listeners, if anybody has one point I would love to make is if any disease like this addiction is a progressive disease, if you pick back up, having made the conscious decision to not use for whatever period of time, it's just waiting. And you will not start again, like when you're a teenager, just having a few glasses of wine, smoking a little weed, you will start where you stop. Mm-hmm. and it will kill you it's a progressive disease look it up and that's it so when or god forbid that happens to anybody anybody listening you need to just call no matter where you are and where you live and maybe we can help you out maybe we can steer you in the right direction i don't think we could end on a better note okay. that's perfect so how do they reach out to you do you have a phone number your website that you can just let our listeners know oh come on you know i'm gonna have to read this Okay. The Lorraine, the Lorraine County office number is 440-963-7042. The Huron County office, which is Norwalk, Ohio, is 567-743-7130. We have a hotline, but because of money restrictions, honestly, the hotline is only for police officers and hospitals. So that will be accessible to the public. Our um, website. website, our website is www.letsgetrealinc.org. So it's L-E-T-S-G-E-T-R-E-A-L-I-N-C.org. All lowercase. I don't even know if that matters. I don't think so. I don't know anymore. I'm old. It well, used to matter. Up. I don't think it does. That's why I hire those smarter people. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't know. Um, and uh we have two different facebooks one is let's get real inc at gmail.com wrong one and we have let's get real inc on facebook both huron county and lorraine county have we have a facebook page awesome. you put and in let's can, get real your ink and they can donate from your website absolutely and if you're going to do connect to a cause on thursday the 20 thursday the 21st mm-hmm. it's from 8 a.m and 8 p.m and if you go on in there if anybody feels uh feels like it or feels generous you, you know, a dollar, I don't care. I don't care what it is. You just go in and you put it, it'll it'll streamline you off Facebook or website. It'll streamline you to, it'll say connect to the cause. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you. It's been very enlightening. I love what you do. Like I said, coming from that background, it means a lot to me that there's somebody out there like you making a difference. Truly. Thank you. So thank you for being on today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Thank you and best of luck. And we're going to make sure all this information is in the show notes. No reason why not to support you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye now.